the All Blacks versus Italy Eve, everybody. Tell you what, I've really been enjoying getting up a bit earlier on a Saturday and watching some footy with my bacon and eggs. I missed it last week. Didn't have any All Blacks on my screen, so thank you, All Blacks, for returning to my screen this weekend. Can't wait. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. It's been yet another big old week of politics. We've got everything you need to know. Why Donald Trump no longer has a licence to do business in New York. The invasive shellfish you won't have heard of, but you really need to know about. Plus, the other event you may want to have on your radar on Election Day, October 14. All that's coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. We are just three Saturdays away till Election Day, October 14. Early, early voting uh, started this week for those overseas and for Kiwi with disabilities. And then the rest of us can start getting those early votes in from Monday next week as well. In news that will surprise no one. Uh, The last few days have seen a lot of political action. We've had three live debates, two TV network polls and one protest. That was election 2023, the 12 days of Christmas version. Uh, The wonderful stuff political reporter Glenn McConnell is here now to talk us through the week that was. Kia ora, Glenn. Kia ora. Debates are plenty. TVNZ had the Young Voters and Kaupapa Māori this week. Paddy Gower also hosted a leaders' debate on News Hub. Standout performances across any and all of those debates, if you please. Oh, well, it's been it's been too much. Last time I think I was on, <laughs> I said it was getting a bit boring, but this week it has been so fiery. New Zealand First has, has dominated a lot of it. Shane Jones and the Kaupapa Māori debates. Well, Winston was going to send Willie Jackson back to Hawaii. Ah, it sounds like a, a kind of massive threat, actually, the more you think about that. Lee Dongahue, also from uh, the Shortland Street guy we talked about a while ago, he, yes. he was worried about, quote, transgendering. Mm. Um, so that caused quite a massive kind of dispute between the Green Party uh, candidate Chloe Swarbrick and him on LGBT rights. And then Patty Gower, I think, was a standout with the <laughs> Chris versus Chris, mm. so much going on. And uh, Hipkins really fighting for his job at the moment too. Yeah, Chris Hipkins does seem to have taken things up a notch this week, hasn't he? He's, he's turned a corner or taken the next, like, ding, 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 level two Chris has entered the game. Uh, in that news hub debate, we saw him pin Christopher Luxon down on race relations. And he also spoke a bit more about that on Thursday. What's his MO there? He is not going to give this up without a fight. And that race relations question that he pushed Luxon on, many people in the audience and, and watching at home, I think were uncomfortable to see how far Hipkins was willing to push that. Mm. But he raised quite an important point, really, that on current polling, national needs New Zealand First and ACT support. New Zealand First especially has some candidates who have been quite outspoken. And I think most people would agree, actually, Luxon agreed there, that the comments are raised by some of these candidates, are just plain racist. So how would Luxon manage a coalition there? It's hard to get straight answers out of Luxon often, but on live TV, up against Chris Hipkins, when he was willing to fight, he pushed and pushed really to get uh, a clear answer on what the country would look like under a Chris Luxon-led government, for Māori especially. Mm. And what was Luxon's response to that? Well, he said he doesn't know who Winston Peters 
is really. Oh. So he couldn't say how he would work with Winston, which which Gower called him up on and said, everyone knows Winston Peters. Winston's been around for decades now. How do you not know the guy? <laughs> yeah, it was a, that was a standout moment for me. Uh, let's stick with Kaupapa Māori now, Māori approach, Māori principles for a bit. What are you seeing emerge as the biggest and most important issues for Māori at this election? This election has raised quite a bit for Māori especially. The Māori Health Authority is is a new project and Labour has been criticised because where are the results at this stage? It has cost a lot to set this agency up. Mm-hmm. But Labour is responding, saying it takes time and look at the Māori health stats at the moment. Uh, years on the line for Māori. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pepe Māori born today is expected to die more than five years earlier than a non-Māori pair. This is an inescapable issue in politics. How do you address that problem? But then the cost of living and social cohesion, I think, have also been key. We've seen Māori politics, co-governance and stuff like that brought up so often in New Zealand First and ACT Party rallies. And it used to be quite common at national events as well, although that's dialed back as we've got closer to the election. Mm. Uh, So there is a lot to think about, I think, for, for Māori and people kind of thinking about race relations in the country. Glenn, uh, any policies of note this week? Uh, I was going to say it hasn't been that policy heavy, but it kind of has. As you've covered on Newsable, there was Pharmac, uh, mm. a big Pharmac announcement from Labour. Act wants to make it easier to evict tenants and cut taxes for landlords, saying there's been a war on landlords. National said it was going to get tough on beneficiaries, but when I looked at that policy a bit closer, it kind of didn't change much from the status quo. And uh, Labour on Wednesday released its fiscal plan. This is this is big credibility stuff. Later today, National and the Green Party are doing the same. And peak and pit of the week. Final question to you, Glenn McConnell. The pit has to be those freedom, anti-government, anti-trans, anti-everything else protesters in Wellington. <laughs> anti, they're not even sure, anti. Yeah, if you are in Wellington last year to see uh, that riot, you know, those pictures bring back nightmares. Peak, I think, is peak Gower we saw on (laughs) Wednesday night. You know, just making politics pretty entertaining. I Mm. I loved that debate. Yeah, no, it was definitely great television. Glenn McConnell, wonderful to have you chat. Thank you so much. Quick question. Will you be voting on or from Monday morning? Or do you make a big day out of official election day, October 14? You know what to do. Head to our Instagram and let us know by voting in our poll. Just search Newsable NZ. The intrigue and complications of the trials involving Donald Trump are stacking up left, right and centre. The latest involves a civil case in New York and a judge finding Trump and his sons liable for fraud involving huge amounts of money. So what's going on? Producer Philip has been pulling this all together. PT, we know Donald Trump is facing election fraud claims in relation to the 2020 elections in Georgia. But this is completely different fraud? Oh, yes. This is a civil case. It's been taken by the New York State Attorney General against Trump and his adult sons. Of course, he's got a much younger one. And the state is seeking $250 million US dollars in damages, a ban on the Trump serving as officers of a business in the city, and to stop the company from engaging in business transactions for five years. 
Now, the actual case to argue the damages is due to be heard in court next week, according to CNN, but there have been findings from the judge already that Trump committed fraud by repeatedly misrepresenting his wealth by hundreds of millions of dollars, something Trump and his other defendants are denying. Do we know any more about what the judge says he overvalued? We're talking some of his most iconic properties. The judge said Ma-a-Lago, which of course is his beloved Florida home, was overvalued by 2,300%. Sorry? (laughs) What? (laughs) 2,300%. In one of the financial statements put forward. He also overvalued his penthouse at Trump Tower in New York by claiming it was three times its actual size. I'm not going to make a comment on that one. And the judge says he absurdly argued that calculating the area of the penthouse was subjective. I could make like a teenage boy joke there, but I won't. Why would Trump and his adult sons be doing this? Well, the Attorney General claims the defendants issued false records in order to get better terms on loans and insurance deals and to pay less tax. The judge described the financial documents as a fantasy world, Mm. not the real world, and ordered the cancellation of Trump's business certificates for New York. So this doesn't end his company, but it could end his control over properties like Trump Tower and the Trump Building in Wall Street. A lot to take in. Let's pivot from Trump, but stay in the US because the whole country could be affected by yet another one of these government shutdowns. Oh yes, and it's looming. The 1st of October is the deadline and it's yet another stoush overspending. So agreement is needed to sign off on the budget like it is in any country. But the lower chamber of Congress in the US, the House of Representatives, well, that's Republican controlled. And there's a right-wing faction in the House and it's demanding deep spending cuts and it also wants to stop further funding of the war in Ukraine. So the pressure is on to find some sort of compromise. Otherwise, key departments, they'll just stop functioning. Imagine that. I'm going to let you know the link between Shrek's Swamp and Election Day very soon, I promise. But while I've got you here, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, remember to chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. New Zealand's rivers and lakes are familiar with efforts to fight off invading nasties. Just think of the regular warnings over rock snot or didymo. Now it's a shellfish invader, the freshwater golden clam. It's already set up shop in the Waikato River and experts think it might prove impossible to eradicate. But what sort of threat does it pose? We're joined now by John Walsh, Director of Readiness and Response from the Ministry of Primary Industries. Great title there, John. Kia ora. Kia ora, Imogen. Thank you. John, how do we think these clams got here? Well, look, we're not sure how they got here. That's often the way with some of these invasive pests. Look, they're really widespread uh, throughout the world. They originally come from Southeast Asia, but now they're found in North America, South America, Africa, Europe. And so there's a range of places they could have come from. We're not entirely sure how they got here themselves, though. And what's the problem with them? I'm sorry, I see the word clam and I just think, can we not gather them up and eat them? Yeah, well, you know, in their natural environment, they are considered a bit of a delicacy, but we wouldn't recommend people eat them out of the Waikato River. So they're a filter feeder. And so they, you know, concentrate any bad stuff that might be in the river and in the 
in the clam itself. So I wouldn't recommend eating it. What damage can they do? So they um, have proven in some places they have invaded to be quite aggressive invaders. So they're really successful at colonizing rivers and lakes and other waterways. And they can form really large scale mats and, and big clumps and rivers and waterways. So what they're doing then is that they're outcompeting the native species for space and for nutrients in particular. So it makes those native species, it's very difficult for them to survive in some circumstances. And why are they so difficult to get rid of? When did we first realise we had this problem? Yeah, so we've, no, we've known about it only for a couple of months, but they appear to have been here for two to three years. And so wow. they've already successfully colonised quite a large part of the Waikato River. And they appear to be, in some places, quite dense. So when you get them at that scale, they're hard to get rid of. And one of the things this thing does, it's a really prolific breeder. So they'll they'll start to reproduce from, I don't know, a couple of months old, possibly. They can reproduce asexually, and they just pump out a large volume of spat or baby clams over the course of a breeding season. So tens of thousands a year. Did MPI drop the ball here? Yeah, so we don't run surveillance on the Waikato River. There are other people that look after the Waikato River. It was surprising to us that when it was found, that it was found in such large numbers. So now we're getting on and trying to do something about it. We're trying to contain it in the river. Can we do anything to keep on top of the, the clam? There's a range of things that we're doing. We've given it the status of being an unwanted organism, which means it's illegal to move it from the river. And anybody engaging the river, whether it's recreationally or for commercial purposes, have to take certain steps to make sure that they and their gear are clean when they get out. So that's one thing. We've had a fairly significant awareness program going on in the Waikato since we found it. That's about to step up. We're putting in place uh, cleaning stations on the river and we're about to undertake some trials of some suppression methods. So some ways of killing the clams. Now, we know we can't kill all of them, but maybe we can kill some of them, reduce the size of the population, therefore reduce the both the damage that it's causing and the risk of spread. Good stuff. John Walsh, Director of Readiness and Response from MPI, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you're supporting now? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? It what? They don't regulate soccer. Right? I'm sorry. There's a sport that regulates soccer? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. Now, you're going to want to set your alarms for this one, folks, because on October 14, at 6am... You could be booking yourself a two-night stay for free at Shrek's Swamp. Airbnb is going to have a listing for basically what looks like a picture-perfect recreation of Shrek's Swamp. It'll go live that morning. The catch is it's only for one weekend, October the 27th to 29th. So whoever gets in first 
on the website, whoever refreshes it, I suppose, at the best time, gets the swamp. It does sleep three people, uh, but you'll then also, of course, have to book your own flights and transport to the Scottish Highlands, because that's where it is. Doesn't leave much wriggle room, does it? Uh, But imagine if one of us here in New Zealand managed to snag the booking. That could be exciting. I'm just taking a look at the photos. It it, it looks interesting. Uh, What this place offers, seven amenities. The essentials, so towels, beds, sheets, soap and toilet paper. That's good. Heating, smoke alarm, carbon monoxide alarm, fire extinguisher, first aid kit and a private entrance. It's what it doesn't have that has me not jumping, get the chance to book it. No kitchen, no Wi-Fi, don't mind that. No TV, don't mind that. No washing machine, no air conditioning, no hair dryer or shampoo. I don't know, don't know if it's for me, but I'm fun. So if you did want to take me, let me know. At first I couldn't figure out why this was happening. Then it did become clear. Uh, It's all a part of a charity drive, which is very lovely. Airbnb will be making a donation to Hopscotch Children's Charity in Scotland. That charity organises vacations for disadvantaged and vulnerable children. Good luck if you're going to try get it. How exciting. That's Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. Have a lovely weekend. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz slash support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead... The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read... Subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.